All right, well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to New Life Church today. I want to say hi to those of you online uh, who did not brave the uh, cold to get out. Uh, you guys are just wimps today. I'm sorry, but no, I'm teasing. I'm teasing. It's good to see all of you here today. We do have heat, by the way, if you were wondering. Uh, thankfully, your prayers worked. Uh, they came early in the week and got our heat repaired, and we are good to go now. Thank God. May it last all winter long. Amen? <laughs> May it last. Well, listen, uh, here at New Life Church, we're all about making and trying to keep Jesus the center of our life, our church, and our community. And um, we just encourage uh, you to continue to uh, follow us and be with us as we are on this journey together as the body of Christ is part of the church following the Lord. Listen, open your Bibles with me if you can, or click to your smart devices to, to the book of Joshua. To the book of Joshua in the Old Testament. We're going to be in chapter 8 today. Uh, we are picking up where we left off last week with a series that we're calling Living as the Joshua Generation. Last week's message was called Lessons Learned. That was part one. Today will be part two of Lessons Learned. Right in the middle of this story, uh, the Israelites, a whole new generation under the leadership of Joshua, crossed the Jordan. They uh, marched around Jericho. The walls fell. They encountered a, 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 a town, a nation called Ai, small town. They lost in that battle. And uh, just something to keep in mind as you journey through the Old Testament and you see it's full of battles, uh, hard-fought battles, that the Old Testament battles with enemies can be viewed through the lens as a foreshadow of our New Testament spiritual warfare because obviously we don't fight naturally. Uh, we, our weapons are not carnal. They're not of, our, of this world. Uh, and the ways of our warfare are, are spiritual. In fact, in 2 Corinthians 10, Paul talks about that. Ephesians chapter 6, he also talks about that, how we fight against the evil spirits and authorities of the unseen world and against mighty powers in this dark uh, place, against evil spirits in the heavenly places. So our battle is faith. Our battle is not flesh in the sense of one another. Uh, our, our battle is against the spiritual parts of life. And faith, the faith life, guys, as you know, is not an easy thing. It's not always comfortable. It always, and it doesn't always make sense either. It doesn't always make sense. And uh, it's kind of messy at times. And it's not always simple. But here's the truth of it all is that if we will stick with God, he will always come around. He will always work things out. And he always has a way of doing that. And in the process, we learn we can learn from our, our past. We can learn from our mistakes. We can learn from our history. And if we don't, you know the saying that history tends to repeat itself. And we have lessons to learn. And that's where Israel is in this, in this time frame that we're looking at. Looking at some of their lessons that they learned in this spiritual battle. In this physical battle, but yet relaying to us a spiritual conflict uh, of war. And some lessons learned, and, and there's lessons that they learned really kind of served to be their blueprint moving forward. And so we, we covered five of these lessons last week. I'm just going to quickly say them. They were, one, don't play games with God was a lesson they learned. Uh, two was don't underestimate the enemy. Three, don't blame God for your own disobedience. Four, be quick to repent. And five, embrace accountability through God's grace. And we're going to, that was all chapter seven in their defeat, in their loss to AI. Today we're going to look at chapter eight in their victory over AI, okay? So we're going to look at five more lessons out of this chapter today 
Let's look at chapter 8, verse 1. It says, The Lord said to Joshua, Do not be afraid or discouraged. Take all your fighting men and attack Ai, for I have given you the king of Ai, his people, his town, and his land. So the Lord spoke to Joshua after they had learned some tough lessons in their loss to the Ai. And he comes back to Joshua and he says, Hey, it's time for you to get up. It's time for you to lead these people. It's not time to wallow around. You guys have repented. You guys have learned some lessons. You're accountable to me and and to what I've laid out for your life. And he says, look, I, I don't want you to be afraid. I don't want you to be discouraged. I don't want you to be rejected. I don't want you to be shameful. But I want you to go out, and I want you to actually face the enemy that's in front of you. Because how many times have you and I faced some issues in our life where we have lost where other things have gotten the best of us. Maybe our flesh has won. We didn't, we didn't you know, overcome certain things. Maybe we find ourselves in cycles of defeat and we have hangups and we have some habits that just kind of sneak around and come around and stick around. And we find ourselves feeling shameful, find ourselves feeling regretful, find ourselves feeling condemned. And that's kind of how these people were feeling because they, they should have won. There was a small fight, it was a small nation up against thousands upon thousands of soldiers, and they lost. And here God's coming back to them and saying, hey, it's time for you to move forward. And so this first lesson in this, in this section of, of Lessons Learned Part 2 is accept God's forgiveness. Accept God's forgiveness. So God calls Joshua and he says, hey, don't be afraid, don't be discouraged. Go out and fight and face Ai. And this time you actually get to keep the plunder that you you get to recover after winning this thing. I want you to look at this in chapter 8 of Romans. I'll bounce back and forth between some New Testament things with this story. Romans chapter 8 verse 1, Paul writes, So now... There is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. Accepting God's forgiveness removes condemnation off of our life. God is not someone who wants us to walk around living condemned. Condemnation does not come from God. Condemnation comes from the enemy and, and upon our, from ourselves. We can be harsh to ourselves at times. We can be some of our worst critics and judges. But condemnation does not come from the Lord. Condemnation comes from the enemy. And, and in Christ Jesus, Paul writes and says, There is now no condemnation. Forgiveness from God fully removes condemnation from our lives. It doesn't condone us. It doesn't condone our actions. When God forgives us, he's not condoning what we've done. But what's actually going into play is how his forgiveness through Christ Jesus, welcoming His power, the power of his spirit, actually empowers us, strengthens us, and it frees us from the power of sin that is at work in our lives. And so that is the freedom that we gain when we, get, when we accept the forgiveness of the Lord. God longs to forgive us all people. God longs to forgive. And and, and listen, when he forgives, he removes condemnation. And when he forgives, he supplies a power and a strength to overcome. 
It says the power of the Spirit of Christ in us frees us from the power of sin that's at work in our life. Sin in its simplest definition, but yet it's so powerful, is anything that's at work in our life that causes us to miss God's mark for our life. Anything that's at work in our life that causes us to miss His ways, His will, and His purpose for us. That is sin. It causes us to walk in a, in a manner of disobedience against what God has set out in the direction of our life. And, and the power of the Spirit of Christ in a person frees us from the power of sin that causes us to miss our mark. So Christ Jesus makes it possible for every single one of us to hit our mark with God, to walk in His ways, to live life according to His will, to walk out according to His word, and to fulfill the purpose for which God created us. And, and when we accept His forgiveness... We, we get condemnation taken off of us. We don't have to walk around in shame or guilt or regret the shoulda, coulda, wouldas of life. But Jesus removes all of that in the power of his spirit and the forgiveness that God gives and offers us, wipes that away and empowers us to live a life free from the power and the dominion of sin. It's possible. It's so possible. And this is where it's one of the lessons that Joshua was learning and teaching the children of Israel in this crossing over the Jordan into a whole new place of life, a whole new beginning in the promised land, that in Christ Jesus, we can be free. We can be free. It's impossible to be free except with the power and the love and the forgiveness of God going into operation in our life. And so that's what forgiveness is all about. About It removes the condemnation. It removes the guilt. It removes all of that stuff. And it frees us. It frees us. It liberates us to be who God has called us to be. Let's look at the lesson number two here. Skip down to verse three. You guys with me? Are you not cold or anything, are you? Might be a little chilly. Hopefully not. So Joshua and all the fighting men set out to attack Ai. Joshua chose 30,000 of his best warriors and sent them out at night with these orders. Hide an ambush close behind the town and be ready for action. So Joshua took 30,000 of his best fighting men, devised a plan to lure the enemy, the AI town, out from their town, and then some of the other soldiers out of the 30,000 would lay in ambush waiting for them, okay? as they would come out. Lesson number two is this, is trust the greatness of God within you. I mean, come on, you imagine, they, the first time around, they lost. And now God's sending them right back out. But he's saying, this time, take your best men out. Take, take 30,000 men. Here's the game plan. You're gonna lie in ambush. It's all gonna work. Take your best men out. Trust me. Trust me. Trust the greatness of God in your life. Look at this in Ephesians 3, verse 20, out of the Passion Translation. It says, Never doubt God's mighty power to work in you and to accomplish all this. So He will achieve infinitely more than your greatest request, your most unbelievable dream." and exceed your wildest imagination. 
He will outdo them all, for His miraculous power constantly energizes you. And I love that. Never doubt God's mighty power to work in you. Never doubt the greatness of God working in your life. The Apostle John in John, 1 John 4 says, Greater is the Spirit of God in you than the Spirit that is in this world. As a born-again believer, a follower of Christ, you have the power of the life-giving Spirit on the inside of you. You have the power of Jesus at work in you meaning you have greatness on the inside of you. You may feel weak. You may feel torn. You may feel defeated at times. And we all go through different things. And some, some of the battles you may face are stronger than some of the other battles that other people face. But we all face our things. We all face our habits. We all face our hangups. We all face our stuff. We all face our struggles and our setbacks. But the greatness of God is inside of you. The greatness of God is on the inside of you. And may we trust the greatness of God that is within you. Trust the greatness of God that's in Joshua had to trust. Man, that God was serious. All right, you're going to send us right back out to fight Ai again. You're going to send us right back out to the ones who whipped us just the other day. And God's like, yeah, I am, but this time you're going to take 30,000 of your best. Meaning, you're going to take the greatness with you. You're going to take the greatest with you when you go out. Trust the greatness of God that is at work within you. Lesson number three, verse nine. It says, so they left. They went to the place of ambush between Bethel and the west side of Ai. But Joshua remained among the people in the camp that night. Verse 22. It says, Meanwhile, the Israelites were inside the town, who were inside the town, came out, attacked the enemy from the rear. So the men of Ai were caught in the middle with Israelite fighters on both sides. Israel attacked them, and not a single person survived or escaped from Ai. Only the king of Ai was taken alive and brought to Joshua. So, from verse 9 through about verse 23, 24, talks and describes the entire battle scene. All right? You can go and back and, and, and read that, how they did that. So they, the battle took place, and they followed the strategy of ambush that was laid out. They had to follow it all the way through. Here's the lesson number three, is this, is be diligent with follow-through. Be diligent with follow-through. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 4. It's out of the NIV version, verse 13 through 15. Paul writes to Timothy, a young pastor, and he tells him this. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to preaching, and to teaching. He says, until I get there, you be diligent to devote yourself to the Word of God. Do not neglect your gift, which was given you through the prophecy when the body of elders laid their hands on you. Don't neglect the gift of leadership on your life. Be diligent to keep being a leader in tough times. 
Then he says, be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them so that everyone may see your progress. Then the writer of Hebrews says this in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 11, out of the NIV. It says, we want each of you to show the same diligence to the very end, so that what you hope for may be fully realized. We do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. Imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. Diligent to follow all the way through. Just think, they had a plan, they had a strategy to set up an ambush. It was to draw them out, draw the enemy out, attack them from behind. Then the ones who were out front chased them back, and they had nowhere to go. If they had not followed the plan, if they were not diligent to follow the strategy all the way through, perhaps it would have ended in a completely different manner, perhaps more like the first time around they could have lost. Many of us, we want the breakthroughs. We want the power of God. We want the strength of God. We want some instant things to take place, some suddenlies of the Lord. But where we struggle most of the time is then walking it out one step at a time. God has given us the strategies of how to deal with life. He's given us the strategies on how to deal with life. But it's up to you and I to implement his strategy in order for it to work in us. God will do his part. God is strong. God is faithful. But he calls us to work out our salvation in fear and trembling. In other words, we got we to get our hands dirty. We got to get on our knees. We got to pray. We got to fast. We got to serve. We have to make sacrifices. We have to get real. We have to get honest. We have to be the kind of people who will encourage one another, who will be support to one another, who will show up in each other's lives when we need it. We got to do the hard stuff many, many days out of the week. We got to do the hard stuff. And I I know, I don't know about you, but some days I don't want to do the hard stuff. I like the easy button, right? I like that easy button sometimes. I don't sign up for the hard stuff. I don't get up asking God to make it hard. Obviously not. I get up praying the the Lord's prayer. Lord, deliver me from temptation. Deliver me from evil. Lord, thine is the kingdom and the glory and the power forever. Will God hear me today? May your kingdom come and be at work in my life here on earth as it is in heaven. I don't want to lose at this thing. I don't want to suck at life. I don't want to be down and downtrodden. I don't want to live in despair. I don't want depression to rule. I don't want my thoughts to be crazy. I don't want to be whatever I, you know, I can be that's not good for you in this world. But some days, man, some days I would just like the easy button to push. I would like to just push the easy button right? I would like traffic to flow better than it does. I would like the lines to be shorter than they are. I would like the servers to be quicker than they can be, than they are at the moment. I would like to be treated nice when I didn't do anything to deserve ill treatment. I would like people to like me and applaud me and be thankful for me. But some days, man, Some days, life doesn't work all that way, right? Some days, it doesn't work that way. There's not an easy button. We have to be diligent with follow-through. We have to follow the strategy of God all the way through because last time I checked, 
Jesus is still the only person who died on the cross, buried in a tomb for three days, and then rose from the grave and is sitting at the right hand of God the Father and who will come back again to reclaim his bride. Last time I checked, he's the only one who's ever done that. He's the only one who's ever done that. He's the only one who's ever gave his life to save the world. So I think God's got a pretty good winning strategy. He's got a pretty good winning strategy. In other words, God can do what he says he will do. God will come through with whatever he says in his word. He will be faithful. But we have to be diligent in follow through. Paul wrote to Timothy, hey, keep doing and giving yourself to the things of God and it will always pay off. It will always pay off. Listen, sometimes taking the high road stinks. Sometimes taking the high road just flat out cringes our flesh. But if we will keep giving ourselves to the things of God, humbling ourselves before the hand of our God, He will always lift us up in due time. He will always exalt us. He will always honor us. He will always raise us up. It never, never disappoints to do what God calls us to do. Doesn't always mean it's comfortable. Doesn't always mean it's easy. But if we will continue to follow through with diligence... The payoff always shows up. Always. Lesson number four. Because Hebrews there says, hey, it's through faith, through patience, through diligence that you will inherit what is promised. Look down in verse 28. It says, Joshua burned the town of Ai. It became a permanent mound of ruins, desolate to this very day. Joshua impaled the king of Ai on a sharpened pole and left him there until evening. And at sunset, the Israelites took down the body as Joshua commanded and threw it in front of the town gate. They piled a great heap of stones over him that can still be seen today. So Israel prevailed over the entire population of Ai. Joshua impaled the king buried him under a heap of stones. What did Joshua do? Joshua made a statement. Joshua made a statement that day. What was that statement? That we are overcomers in the Lord. Fourth lesson learned is this. Live as the overcomer that you are. Live as the overcomer that you are. Joshua made a statement. Israel, we're not losers. We might have lost that battle, but we're going to win this war. We're going to win this war. And I want to encourage you today. You may feel like you have lost some battles in your life. You may feel like, man, that you've had more losses than wins. But listen, listen. If you truly give yourself to Jesus, the overcoming power of Jesus in you will turn your life around. Completely turn your life around. Completely turn your life around. But you got to be willing to go all in. You can't patty cake. You can't play games. You can't tiptoe. You can't be like, oh, one day I'm in, the next day I'm out. No, you need to decide to go all flipping in with Jesus. Go all the way in. He'll never leave you high and dry. He'll never disappoint you. He will turn your life around. 
live as the overcomer you are. I love this scripture in Romans 8. Romans 8 is like probably one of my most favorite chapters in the Bible. Look at this with me on the screen, verse 35. Man, you can, you can hear the passion in Paul's writing. It says, can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? As the scriptures say, for your sake, we are killed every day and we are being slaughtered like sheep. And the answer, no, despite all these things. Overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. Overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And verse 38 says, and I am convinced, he says, you're not going to change my mind. You're not going to persuade me. You're not going to argue me out of this point. It doesn't matter. I'm convinced, he says, that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today, nor our worries about tomorrow. I got to remember that tomorrow morning. It's Monday. I got to wake up reminding myself that no fear of today or worry about tomorrow will separate me from the love of Christ Jesus. I don't know how in the world I forget that statement, that verse, that holy scripture of God, but there are some days where I just forget that no worry about tomorrow will separate my life from the love of Christ Jesus. Maybe you're like me sometimes. It says, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. It says, no power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Joshua made a statement burn the town. Impale the king. Bury him under some stones. Jesus made a statement too. On a cross, in a grave, on the third day of resurrection, he made a statement. And if you will believe in my life, in my death, and in my resurrection, my life will cause you to be an overcomer. That you will have overwhelming victory at work in your life overwhelming victory. If you're guaranteed to win, why wouldn't you sign up for that team? If you're guaranteed to overcome, why would you not say yes? God's been trying to recruit us from the very beginning. Get us over to his side. And we get to his side through Christ Jesus. We don't get to his side by good looks. We don't get to his side by good works. We don't get to his side by money. We don't get to his side by performance. We don't get to his side by our accolades. We don't get to his side by our achievements. We don't get to our, his side by anything we can do in our own power, merit, or wisdom, or strength. We get to his side through the love and the lordship of Christ Jesus. And said, so nothing can ever separate you from that love that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And he says, if you will believe this, then you can live as the overcomer that I have made you to be. It does not matter. It does not matter. Whatever it is in your life, 
that seems to have a hold on you, to have a grip on you. If you will give your whole heart, soul, mind, and strength in your life to Jesus, he will cause you to be victorious. He will completely change and revolutionize your entire life. And he has the power to change it for the generations to come. That not just in you, but in your life, in your family, in your children, in your grandchildren, in your great-grandchildren. Take a look at Matthew chapter 1 and the genealogy of Jesus Christ. Four, four, three times of 14 generations from one season to the next, expressing that God is an overcomer. He is victorious. You'll never ever be disappointed. Will you have disappointing days? Yes. Will you have disappointing seasons? Yes. Will you have disappointing situations? Absolutely. But Jesus is never disappointing to your life. He will always cause you to rise. He will always cause you to get back up. He will always call you back to your feet and to march and to move forward. That's the kind of power that lives in the name of Jesus Christ. I feel like I'm preaching a crusade today. I just squeezed my hand so tight I got nail things in my hand. I just feel like, man, if we would just live this every day, and I'm speaking and I'm preaching to myself, because there are days where I doubt the power of God. There are days I doubt the life-giving spirit of Christ. There are days, man, where my problems seem bigger than my God. There are days where my issues seem like that God's never going to answer them, that God's never going to bring things to pass, that there's just absolutely no way out of this hole. But, man, if I can just get myself to remember... That's why every day we're called to come before the face of Jesus, before we face our world, to be reminded that Jesus is in control. Amen? i got to get to the last lesson learned. Chapter 8, Joshua. You guys ready for the final one? Ready for me to be quiet so you can go home? Chapter 8, verse 30. said, then Joshua built an altar to the Lord, the God of Israel, on Mount Ebal. Verse 34, Joshua then read to them all the blessings and curses Moses had written in the book of instruction. Every word of every command that Moses had ever given was read to the entire assembly of Israel including the women and the children and the foreigners who lived among them. So Joshua built an altar after this battle, after this victory. And you can probably imagine the excitement that was going on, the enthusiasm. Kind of like when Tennessee just whooped up on Missouri yesterday, blew them out of the water. Just lots of victory chants going on. They offered sacrifices, read the entire book of instruction, and right in the middle of them was the Ark of the Lord's Covenant, meaning the centerpiece of God's presence was right in the middle of their life. Right in the middle. Jesus at the center. 
Joshua wanted to be clear after a victory like that, that Israel knew that everything revolves around the Lord their God, that they were not going to take the credit for victory. They were not going to accept the glory for their lives, for this thing to happen. No, they were, Joshua wanted to make sure Israel, every single one of us, even the foreigners who are living here, let it be known that everything revolves around the Lord our God. This last lesson learned is it's always about worship to the Lord. Everything you and I do in life is really worship. Who we devote our time to, our attention to, what we give the affections of our heart, who takes up the most space in us, who occupies our life. Everything is always about worship. And ultimately, it's really all about worship to the Lord. Revelation 4. John has this revelation of heaven. I'm going to walk you through a few few scriptures here just to kind of paint this picture of what's going on that he sees when the heavens are opened up and he's caught up in heaven. Chapter 4, verse 8. It says, each of these living beings had six wings and their wings were covered all over with eyes inside and out. Day after day and night after night, they kept on saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God, the Almighty. The one who always was, who is, and who is still to come. And whenever the living beings give glory and honor and thanks to the one sitting on the throne, the one who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down and worship the one sitting on the throne. And the one who lives forever and ever is who they worship. And they lay their crowns before the throne and they say, You are worthy, O Lord our God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and they exist because you created what you pleased. And it goes on in chapter 5, verse 11. He says, I looked again and I heard the voices of thousands and millions of angels around the throne. And of the living beings and the elders, and they sang in a mighty chorus, unison. Worthy is the Lamb who was slaughtered to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea, and they sang, blessing and honor and glory and power belong to the one sitting on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. And it goes on in chapter 7, it's final one that I'll read. Verse 9 says, After this, I saw a vast crowd, too great to count, from every nation and tribe, people and language, standing in front of the throne and before the Lamb. They were clothed in white robes and they held palm branches in their hands and they were shouting with a great roar Salvation comes from our God who sits on the throne 
and from the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living beings. And they fell before the throne with their faces to the ground and they worshiped God. And they sang, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and strength belong to our God forever and ever. Amen. It's always, always been about, always will be about worship to our God. Always. Just love Jesus today. Just love Him tomorrow. Love Him always. Because it's always about worship. We're going to deal and face our issues, our struggles. We're going to have some defeats. Things are going to get the best of us some days. For some, it'll last longer than others. But if you'll just stick with God, if you will just worship the King of glory, each new day that you're given on earth, you'll find out, I'll find out, and together we'll find out that heaven is worth our earthly struggle. Heaven is worth our gain if we will endure, if we will just keep worshiping Jesus. Just love Jesus today. Love Him tomorrow. Love Him always. And on the in-betweens, the valleys, you'll find the faithful hand of God will hold you, will keep you, and will pick you up.